You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience here at Conservative Review, powered by the Westwood One Podcast Network, your one-stop shop and really your only stop for independent conservative analysis on real policies, real politics, real outcomes, the real world that matters, not just the soap opera and the fake political world that so many of my colleagues in the conservative media have been sucked into trying to own the libs while ironically and often inadvertently becoming owned by the libs themselves and not even realizing it. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. You know, most of you appreciate what I do. Some of you question, hey, do you always have to be so down, focus on something positive? And, you know, if you're looking for political morphine, if you're looking to dope up and convince yourself that you've won when we're not winning, then there's plenty of other people to listen to, I guess. But given that no one else is doing this, I'm going to double down on this because since we warned that the Kavanaugh victory with conservatives still dancing in the end zone, not realizing that we're getting screwed on five to 10 fundamental other things. And we could totally win on them. And we, we don't even realize, we don't even make our listeners, if you're a radio show host, our readers, if you're a writer, viewers, if you're a TV show host, we don't even make them aware of what is going on. I recognize that at some point I'm going to stand before God and give an accounting for what I've done like everyone else. And I can't live with myself not speaking the truth, particularly when I believe, as I mentioned before, I'm actually an optimist. I think because the left is so radical, I think we can win with the right message. We can win with the right focus. But right now, not only are we ignoring what matters with the razzle-dazzle soap opera, conservatives are so busy without their own agenda, just focusing on the left, that they're ironically, in order to fight with the left, they're promoting leftists that dress up as folk, faux allies, and they champion them as heroes, and they're killing our agenda. How does Chris McDaniel in, in Mississippi, healthcare, the pick for UN ambassador, jailbreak and cr- criminal justice, Immigration and Kane West and Kim Kardashian and Jared Kushner and Chuck Grassley and Jeff Sessions and Ethanol. And I know I'm missing things. <laughs> How do they all tie together? I'm going to speak until I can l- no longer speak. I'm a ready horse from speaking on the phone with a lot of people the last 24 hours, working things out. My goal is to pack in as much information on unique topics that aren't very unique and are actually very important, but 
they're unique relative to what people are talking about that you're not going to hear elsewhere to educate you on as many issues as I'm dealing with and to try to come out with some sort of blueprint as to what we do about this. I have never been in this much pain and anguish from the profession that I'm in now. I've never seen such a dichotomy between what conservatives think is happening and what is really happening. I would rather have an Antifa guy tell me I'm a piece of urine than someone who's my friend tell me that the urine on my leg is really water. This is not just some sort of a abstract philosophical debate over how much are we winning, what's incremental, and what's really sliding backwards, um, what's relatively good, what's good but not great. This is what we can do going forward. This is not a matter of debating wh what we've gotten until now. It's a matter of where what's happening right now and the next month and the next month and what we could do about it. But if we don't do something about it, we're going to get screwed by our own people that we're making out to be heroes. Let me give you a number of analogies. If you tune into the conservative conscience, you know you're going to get funky football analogies as well as some others, and you're going to have loads of analogies today, the mother load of all analogies, until I'm too hoarse to talk. So maybe I'll have to record this in segments because I'm just I'm going to lose my voice. But I'll be honest with you, this is my only emotional outlet. Um, I just spoke for an hour and a half with someone whose brother was murdered brutally murdered when she was 13 years old, and she's the only one left in the family to fight this guy getting released, potentially, thanks to a jailbreak law in California that is part and parcel of the Senate bill that is promoted by the very SOBs that sandbagged Brett Kavanaugh on criminal justice, on due process, but it's being promoted by Chuck Grassley, now by Mitch McConnell, and by Donald Trump in contravention to everything he campaigned on. S Section 208 of the sen se Sentencing Reform Bill. And this bill reopens sentencing after 20 years for those who commit you know, anything but including murder which is pretty much what you're going to what you would have done if you're serving more than 20 years in a federal prison and likely you'll be an MS13 guy because of your immigration status otherwise you'll be in state you know the state system. So I just spoke with a victim and you know she told me she has nowhere to turn. She's fighting a lonely battle. The emotional just reservoir you need to deal with this, relive it. She's genuinely scared of the guy. She has to face him at the resentencing hearing. On the very day of her hearing, October 23rd, I'm thinking of flying out. Um, her cousin, Emily Collins, asked me to come out, and family permitting, I might try to do it. And I want to make it very clear. I, You know me. I'm not an ambulance chaser. Unlike the left, I don't seek out victims. Um, they emailed me just genuinely thinking I'm you know, the only person giving voice to this, and they have no one to turn to. But on that very day, October 
what is it, um, October 23rd, the Heritage Foundation is holding an event promoting jailbreak. So just to show you how she literally has nobody to turn to, it's consensus. So that's a little bit of a tease. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start backwards with our analogies. Let's say you have a football team that's down three touchdowns. And they finally score a touchdown. And then the guys involved in the play just, like, lose it. And they just start dancing in the end zone for a half an hour, an hour. They just keep the end zone dance going up. And meanwhile, well, you know, if the game goes on, the other side recovers the ball. Um, and they score three more touchdowns. Now, bear with me, obviously, you know, if you're on offense, so you're not, you know, going to be the same players on defense. And obviously, they would remove you from the field anyway. But you get what I'm saying. Um, in this business, offense and defense are the same men on the field, same same teams, same plays. And be like, Daniel, can't you lighten up? Can I enjoy the moment we got a good touchdown? Like, well, if the game was over with and it wasn't going on and we didn't have real live fire fights now, I, yeah, I mean, kind of dance to your heart's content. But do, do you understand while you're on talk radio are endlessly championing, you know, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh rehashing that when he's on the court. We got him on the court. It's good. And there's 10 other things that we're getting screwed by our own people, much less the Democrats. There's nobody home, nobody home to deal with. On crime, on immigration, on budget, on ethanol, on the Kevin McCarthy versus Jim Jordan fight. On primaries, including the one that's outstanding in Mississippi. And in fact, in each and every one of them, Trump is being sucked into the swamp because the swamp always has an avenue to him, most prominently through Jared F. and Kushner and his, and his obnoxious wife. But our side, we don't have anything. Another analogy. You know why? Because this is like, you have a king, and he's like, dude, I love you so much. You know, the parable here is to the conservative base. Love you so much. Come into my treasury. Take, take whatever gold you want. I want to repay you. What do you want, conservatives? Now, meanwhile, you come in there and you see other guys lurking around the treasury because the swamp always has an avenue. They always have home field advantage in government. Okay, They always have their people. If it's a position to be filled, they have the full connections to get their people in the position, like UN ambassador. If it's a primary, they have their people to get to the president to get their stuff. If it's a policy, they have their people on the even the left could get Kim Kardashian, Van Jones, and Kane West to have a bigger voice than we do. So while they're in there taking out the gold, we who were promised the gold, all of a sudden take out a big syringe and dope up on heroin. And I'm sorry, I know some of you, you know, people have lost relatives, and I don't mean to be insensitive to that. I'm just bear with this analogy. And we're just doped up on, hey, and we're just like flying high. We're just like mumbling around the room and, you know, just ruining our, our time. And we're just being, we're like dancing around circles. Own the libs, own the libs. And meanwhile, we're totally being owned because the libs are in the room taking out all the gold. We're like, own the libs. We're hallucinating about owning the libs while in actuality, they're actually owning us. 
And then, like, you know, there's me standing on the sidelines. Get the damn heroin out of your system and pick up the gold. And then brag about the left once you won. Another analogy. And um, I think this really cuts to the core of it. Two, two, more, two more analogies before we get to the meat and potatoes. Another football one. New England Patriots are playing the Cleveland Browns. So it's, it's, it's a no contest, right? The, the Patriots are, are going to crush them. But meanwhile, you have, there's really three teams, so to speak, in my analogy. There's really only two. There's the Browns and the Patriots, but there's a third element, and those are the Cleveland Brown fans in the stands. They can't pass a ball. They can't score a, pl- uh, a, a point. They don't have a say in the matter, but they could cheer and make noise. So they're sitting there, boo, Patriots. Oh, look at the Patriots are really clumsy. Oh, we could totally tackle that guy. Oh, we, we owned him. We could have tackled him. Except the Cleveland Browns aren't making the tackle. Oh, there's a man open down the field. Oh, we got a touchdown. Well, you could have gotten a touchdown, but actually you're, you're, you might want to do it, and you might think it's happening, and you might wish for it to happen, but your men on the field, which are the Cleveland Browns, are actually not making the play, and they're actually giving the ball to the Patriots so they can run the other direction and score a touchdown. So, like, dude, if you want to win the game, I, I I feel for you. I get it. I get that you hate the Patriots. I get that you want to beat them. I get that you think you can beat them. I bet that you think you are beating them. But if you want that to actually kind of, like, happen, you need to get a new coach, get new players, and build a franchise that is doing it. I understand that you want to beat the Patriots. I, I want to beat them as much as you. I want to beat them more than you do. But you got to get a franchise that's that's doing it because if the franchise that you have is not doing it, and not only are they not doing it, they're doped up and not making the plays. And in fact, what the plays that they are making are making the most impactful plays for the other side. Well, I'm not going to focus on the Patriots. I'm going to focus on the Browns. Like, dude, uh, we got to focus on our own team. One more analogy. And, and I'm addressing different things here. And I know I'm, I'm throwing in a lot. And so much has happened. I meant to put out a podcast every day this week. But I, I just didn't have the time. And so many things have piled up. I'm probably going to forget half the things I wanted to talk to you about. But some of it's going to come out in my writings. Tremendous amount um, going on. And, you know, j- just bear with me. You're... Your notes of positive reinforcement, email me at dharwitz at crtv.com. I might not always be able to respond, but I usually see them. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you. Um, it makes it worthwhile. Um, you know, Speaking to Devin Lombardi, who's that sister of, of the victim today, really gave me some purpose in what I'm doing. And I feel motivated. And, and you guys know me by now. I've said this over and over. I don't think it's hopeless. I think... I'm going to share with you polling data on criminal justice and and early prison releases. We could crush the left on this issue. All we need is a little bit of sunlight and focus. A little bit of Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, the people that have the megaphones that I don't have, that, by the way, agree with me officially on 90% of the issues anyway, to just focus on that. See, this is the sad thing. I'm not asking people... Like, the one issue I disagree with Trump and some of the MAGA crowd is, is trade. But fine, I, I can overlook that if, you know, there's many other issues. We agree on them. But do you understand, like, you're not understanding the outcomes. We're not getting them. 
I, I can't overlook 50 other colossal, epic betrayals of the most anti-MAGA policies being championed by Trump just because there were a couple of things he did that were good. I get it, but, but this is not personal to Trump. The country is greater than that. We got to get on his case. And again, he cares what we think. But if we don't get in his face, believe me, everyone else will get in his face, and that's where he's going to land. To be very clear, my view on Trump, you know, I barely talk about him. I speak for hours. I write thousands of words, thousands of articles, and I barely talk about Trump. I talk about the issues. Trump's very simple. My view on him in two, two minutes is this. Trump is unique. There's a lot of multiple things about him that are true at the same time. The way he's lived his personal life, look, I'm never going to sign off on that. The adultery and everything, yeah, I mean, that, that, that is what it is. I'm certainly not going to sign off of it. Now that he's president, well, on the one hand, he's very out of the box, open to new ideas, which is a terrific thing. On the other hand, he doesn't have much discernment. Um, he's very impetuous, very surface-minded, which often is very good. Certain things are built off of, are oriented more towards common sense thinking. Some things need more discernment. If we actually had a conservative movement steering him, he's very interested in what we have to say, cares about the conservative base. I think we can make a lot of this presidency. But he also has a lot of flaws. And because we don't have a conservative movement, we're getting a lot of the problems, but not nearly as many as the, of the benefits as we should and can achieve under him. That's my view on him. The bigger issue is we have no conservative movement in this country. I think we have a lot of Americans that certainly vote conservative or try to think they're voting conservative and others that don't consider themselves conservatives, but really, they really are. They don't realize it. They live conservative lives. And if we had a party that spoke to them, they'd, they'd be on board. But that's the bigger issue. Trump's going to be gone in two or six years. This problem has persisted since Reagan, and it's going to continue persisting indefinitely, and it's getting worse. Because the farther to the left the, the Democrats get, the more to the left our people are schlepped. We have a quasi-communist, quasi-anarchist, the worst of both elements, by the way, um, among Democrats, and we have a liberal Republican Party. Now, you might say, well, Daniel, liberal is better than quasi-anarchist than communist. Well, whoop de doo I get it, but, but I, mean, I mean, fine, but, but is that the best we can strive for? And that's, what, that's my goal. And in fact, because the left is so unhinged and they're not artful in what they're doing, I think we could actually convince a lot more people into true conservatism than we'd otherwise be able to do if we had a more discerning, judicious Democrat party and left-wing movement in this country. That's what I seek to do, and I'm relentlessly optimistic that we can if we get together and do it. If we don't do it, we remain doped up and think that we are doing it. When we're not doing it, well, then you're not going to do it. Which leads me to my last analogy. What if I told you, you know, like we were stunned by Pearl Harbor, just stunned by it, terrible, and we work to address the issue, fight the Japanese. Imagine if 70 years later, 
we're here today still fighting the Japanese and then ignoring, I don't know, North Korea and Iran, right? Which are the problems of the time. And then we we're, we're still fighting Pearl Harbor, you know? <laughs> like, imagine that's what we're doing. Well, what the conservative movement and the Republican Party is all about is fighting yesterday's battle a day late and a dollar short at the expense and at the distraction of today's battle of bigger and greater things. What de- See, Democrats adapt. Democrats don't rest. They're indefatigable. They're shameless. And they will do whatever it takes. To achieve their ends. They have one rule of engagement. There's no system. Their system is we win, you lose. So they'll attack you on one front. We lose on that front. It takes forever. Finally, we start rebuilding on that front. But long ago, they achieved their desires on that front. And they've long moved on to a different front to achieve even greater and more impactful and more everlasting, consequential, cascading things through other mediums. And we're still obsessing about 60 years ago rather than fighting what's in front of us at the time that it needs to be fought because they adapt. Hmm. Let me give you, I'll start with the perfect example before we get into kind of the news, the news of the day and why I'm so bothered by conservatives focusing on stupidity, the soap opera, what a great man Kane West and Kim Kardashian are, and um, still talking about Kavanaugh and just promoting Lindsey Graham, promoting John Cornyn, promoting Susan Collins, promoting Mitch McConnell, ignoring everything they're saying and doing. Like, you know, I warned you, I said, look, this was one moment of unity, but like, let's make it stick. It's actually worse than I thought. The number of betrayals that have taken place I can't unsee, my eyes cannot unsee them. What do you want me to do, overlook them? I can overlook one or two of them, and I do all the time. I Believe me, I don't give you everything I see. I try to be, you know, I don't want to totally depress you. I try to overstate some of the positive things. Like with Iran, you know, I gave a whole lecture on how great his Iran policy is. Truth is, the free beacon, which this is their bread and butter, they focus on Iran national security, they have great contacts, so I got to believe them. Now, it is thinly sourced, they say that the administration is looking into waivers for the sanctions. I'm not going to hit that yet. You know, I'm trying to find out more. I don't do things on the cheap like other hosts. Just read some headlines at Drudge and then opine on it. I'm going to find out more about it. And for now, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt based on the policies they've been doing until now, based on having Pompeo and Bolton there. But I'm just saying, if anything, I've regretted whenever I praise them for doing something conservative. Because... It's like drinking coffee with a fork or you know, having a piece of cake attached to a rope that gets yanked away when you try to bite into it. So this is where we are being distracted. Totally distracted. Where we don't have our men on the field to focus on any fight, anything, anything. And I don't mean... See, I'm not trying to be idealistic here and say what the world should be. I'm trying to deal with it as it is. I'm trying you, – you know that I believe, and I could write a book on this, why the Republican Party is irremediably broken. We will never achieve any of our goals with the current party. We need a new party. But nonetheless, I'm pragmatic in the sense that I'm for an all-of-the-above strategy. You have long-term, mid-term, you know, short-term, and 
you try to get the people you could get at any given time. And it doesn't hurt to work on primaries, to work on legislation, to call the White House endlessly and voice your complaints. Call your members of Congress. If you have friends that are in Republican districts, call their members. Donate to people like Chip Roy, Ron DeSantis, Chris Kobach, Dave Bratt, Ted Budd, Scott Perry in Pennsylvania, Rod Blum in Iowa. You know, all these people, which none of the other hosts will focus on them. There's a lot to do. But they don't want to do it. I've given so much advice. Endless. I've written more columns on how to win the 2018 election, even though I don't even consider it winning. It's not my team at bat. We don't have a team at bat. Hey, it's all about Republicans winning. I don't want Democrats to win. Fine. Here's how to do it. I can't be more religious than they are themselves about trying to win. That's the thing. I'm trying to be in the here and now. Here's how we... I always... I challenge you, whether you are a conservative listener, a liberal, a maverick, an independent, anything, find me another columnist, writer, speaker, show host that parlayed against every single criticism, critique of a policy and a government action, had so many forward-looking ideas and strategies on so many levels. I challenge you to find that. That... I'm passionate about what I don't like because because I have such a strong idea of what I do like and not the other way around. And this is the biggest problem with our all of my colleagues in this business. And I'm sorry. And that is, if I had to tie up all these issues in one, every issue we're going to talk about today, Kevin McCarthy being championed over Jim Jordan by our own movement and Trump. The worst George Soros Kardashian views on crime being championed over the Reagan Sessions view on on crime. Getting Dina Habib Powell or someone similar, a globalist leftist as UN ambassador. Screwing us on primaries. Championing all of the people in the Senate that are going to be up next cycle that we need to primary. Ignoring the things we can and should do on immigration and the messaging. Gosh, there's so much going on on that. There was an illegal Central American that came in 2014, brutally raped a woman in Long Island. So much we could do with that. It won't even be a footnote because we're all doped up on political morphine. Just doped up beyond belief. And, And it's degenerative because the more they're doped up, the more left-wing policies get enacted, the more left-wing the Democrats get, the more left-wing Republicans get. But because that fight right now is so bad, it allows them to forgive all the other stuff, and it goes on and on and on and degenerates. It's a, it's a death spiral. Soft big, our expectations are so low. So, so low. But to get back, and I, I'm sorry for rambling a little bit here. Bear with me. To get back to the analogy of fighting yesterday's battle when you need to fight today's battle, folks, this is my way, my summation of years' worth of work from my book to my columns to, to, our, to our shows here on the courts and the judiciary. How we fight their battles on their terms, dictated by them, 
and we fight it a day late, a dollar short, and they've already moved on to a new trick, and we leg- we're still legitimizing their old trick and trying to win on their old trick when they've already gone on to a new trick. This is true on pretty much every policy. If you understand this Danielism, <laughs> then you pretty much understand everything you need to know about party politics in America and the one-directional oligarchy, the one-directional ratchet towards anti-constitutionalism, anti-traditionalism, and anti-freedom, anti-sovereignty, anti-security, anti-civil society. See, when it comes to the judiciary, that's what's going on here. For 60 years, starting in the 1950s, the Democrats used the Supreme Court as the primary organ of societal transformation. What they could never achieve publicly, the public wouldn't go for, they achieved undemocratically through the super legislature. And in doing so, they created the concept in the 1950s, it was Cooper v. Aaron, of judicial supremacy. It was very self-fulfilling. Now, the immediate response of the right in the country at the time should have been not to play their game. No, 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 no. Buddy, there's no such thing as a super legislature. There's one legislature. You guys don't have that power. We're not going to abide by it. And in fact, we're going to strip your power through Congress. And the other two branches are going to beat you into submission. But no, they legitimized it. But they said, oh, really? Ah, I get that trick. So you're saying there's a super legislature called the Supreme Court. Well, we're going to try to work to get our picks and our guys on. Now, like every promise, they lie and fail at it, and almost every Republican pick for decades were among the worst liberals imaginable that promulgated Roe and affirmative action, you name it, every bad thing imaginable, were from Republican nominees. So for years, we failed at this. And, and it's, it's, it's pained conservative legal people for years, and they were so fixated. This was their Pearl Harbor. Damn it, we got killed. Damn, we got to... When when is the day gonna come when we finally get the five justices? We think we have it. We have a lot of Republican presidents, more more so than Democrat presidents. We get more picks. And we just every time we're four at four, three, four. We think we get the fifth, and he flips on us. And damn it, we can never get the votes. And and their whole life is about getting five votes on a super legislature that's completely unconstitutional, Ill- illegitimate, and. You'll see in a minute they're not going to win anyway. So finally, after years of betrayal, they're like, oh, baby. Dude, we got the five to four. We got Thomas, and we got Alito, and we got Roberts, Kevin, Nutton, Gorsuch, too. I understand the euphoria. I'm not even making fun out of it. In a vacuum, I get it. Freeze frame, that, that, that's a very big accomplishment. As much as I have concerns about Gorsuch on some issues and Kavanaugh on some issues and Roberts on a lot of issues, let me cede a point for argument's sake that I will assert a very bold statement that we have now reached the point where almost no bad decisions will be initiated out of the Supreme Court. I don't know how many bad things they're going to overturn. I really doubt that. Previous bad things, 
but at least new bad stuff. You can't argue that that's not a big achievement, right? And it certainly is. Let me give you the sleight of hand here. 60 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, arguably 15 years ago, this would have been a monumental achievement, and it would have been, in my view, a paradigm shift and a game changer. But see, here's what's happened since then. Democrats milked that cow for everything they can get. They built up 60 years of one-directional ratchet jurisprudential velocity on issues, standing, merits, procedures, every way they rigged the system, along with controlling the litigators, the ACLU, the law schools, that they got everything they need, even if we don't have a single bad decision ever made from the Supreme Court, there's enough existing nuclear precedent to blow up our country seven times over that even allowing that maybe a few of them we could overturn, more or less, their achievement will be intact. So they got what they needed. Then they moved on to bigger and greater things and changed the rules of the game. Well, didn't you say you got, you guys, come on, you said that you're the Supreme Court's Everything, well, isn't the Supreme Court everything? Well, yeah, it's everything when the Democrats will benefit from it. When they no longer will, well, then they'll change the rules of the game. So the rules of the game now is that any individual forum-shopped court is the final say on a matter. If heads we win, tails we win. If we don't like the ruling, we go to a different court. If we don't, if, if, uh, we get a good ruling, but somehow it gets Supreme Court gets overturned. Well, we'll just take another case that's slightly different in the facts, but really the same policy outcome, and we'll shop it back. And they'll ignore the Supreme Court. That's a system you can't win. As a National Immigrant Lawyers Center lawyer said, let 1,000 immigration lawsuits blossom. See, you can't win that system. See, they created a system where they could take any statute, any policy, no matter how foundational, no matter how constitutional, have 50 different illegals sue it, get standing, and even if they lose all but one time, but one time they win, nationwide injunction, it's immediately postponed the policy. Takes And then you do this on like 50 different aspects of immigration, 50 different aspects of abortion law, 50 different aspects of religious liberty, marriage, um, election law, regulations, whatever, environment, energy, labor, scattershot. Supreme Court takes up very few cases. Now they're going to be even more reluctant. As conservative as they might, as I said before, they might not initiate cases, but they're going to be very reluctant to overturn lower courts. So they'll just cleanly ignore them. So they won't have to give bad rulings, which I think most of them wouldn't want to do, but they're not going to take them up. Even if they do take them up, like we saw with Trump v. Hawaii, guess what? Conservatives 
play by the liberal rules, but the liberals don't play by their own rules. So really, as you all know, as I said all the time, a court is just cases or controversies. Just because you render an opinion in a case, it doesn't mean that the broad policy outcome that that would signal that you have to go along with that. But our side treats it as struck down. Up, oh, this sort of asylum policy we have to enjoin, catch and release for everyone, TPS status for everyone, DACA for everyone. Whereas the left, see, they treat their outcomes that way, and we treat their outcomes that way. But Supreme Court decisions they don't like that go in our direction, they just treat them like cases and controversies. Okay, well, in that case, you said you can't look at Trump's alleged racism to invalidate his legitimate exercising of a statute. So, But in this case, you never ruled on it, so we're going to say it in this case. Come catch me. Cat and dog game. No, no lower court conservative judge will ever do this to bad liberal Supreme Court decisions. It's just, it's just they're not going to do it. It's just the legal profession would ostracize them. But the legal profession supports this. See what I mean? The left has moved on. So now it's going to be out of almost a thousand federal judges, anytime we could find someone, heads we win, tails we win, and we're going to bring multiple lawsuits. You can't win with that. Now with that analogy in mind, you can understand what I'm saying. Even if Trump gets above average number of lower court picks, which again, most of them are really just replacing very good people that are retiring on his watch and are in circuits that the left is not using, they're trying to drive a tank through our constitutional defenses. Well, they only need a hole in our wall the width of a tank. Right now, there's holes that are the width of an aircraft carrier. We could narrow it a little bit here, get more conservatives on this bench, that bench. So there's more likelihood that more and more districts and circuits they're not going to win in. But, I mean, it's a needle in a haystack. You can't win a system like that. Do you understand? We're missing when the time requires a six level on a scale from one to ten, a six, we're fighting a four. When it requires an eight, we're fighting a six. When it requires a ten, we're fighting an eight. Now, if we just said, well, screw you, we got the Supreme Court, and no, if you have crappy lower court opinions, we're not going to listen. Well, that's what we should be doing. That's what I'm advocating. And we should you know, pass resolutions and legislation stripping them, budget bills, fighting back, both branches delegitimizing them. Hey, Democrats, you want to delegitimize the Supreme Court? We'll certainly de delegitimize your lower courts. But they're not doing that. They're further raising the prominence of them by saying, oh, we got to get our noms, our noms, because th this is all that matters. The left's laughing all the way to the bank. I know this already I spoke about. I don't want to rehash too much because I want to get to other things. But that's what I mean by we're, we're fighting yesterday's battles. Let me um, summarize briefly what else is going on to tie into um, just the betrayal that we're seeing from McConnell and Graham and Grassley, all of our heroes, and Trump getting sucked into it. I just want to make sure as a lightning round, you know, just fast track, quick, rapid fire, 
you're aware of this stuff, and I'll try to elaborate on each one. So we were told that, okay, Kavanaugh is all that matters. So if you could screw us on 99 issues, if you champion Kavanaugh, you're a god. And if, but if you're against Kavanaugh, then we'll tear you down. Okay, well, so could we all agree that we need to start working now to defeat Lisa Murkowski, right? Mitch McConnell is a big hero. Well, Mitch McConnell just said that Lisa Murkowski is a member in good standing, and he fully backs her. There you go. The problem we have is not just Lisa Murkowski. It's McConnell. It's Grassley. It's Hatch. It's Cornyn. It's all these guys. They use the rhinos as a fake thing so we know they look like they're good. But, you know, oh, we're one vote away from repealing Obamacare. And I don't know if I'm going to get to health care today, but I promise within the week I want to discuss the CVS-Aetna merger and how it's the fault of Medicaid expansion. And our side has completely, oh, we're fighting Medicare for all. Trump writes an op-ed. But we all agreed to Medicaid for all. Everyone agree to it now. Every state's going to adopt it now. There's so much baggage on the Medicaid expansion if we only militated against it with ads and groups. No, no one's fighting that. CVS and a merger is because of that, built on top of other government socialist practices. But they're blaming it on the free market. Hey, why did Jeff Sessions at DOJ approve the merger? Well, why do we have the merger? Why do they have the marketability to do that? For the provider and the consumer to merge into one, because the consumer is not the consumer, it's the insurance government complex. So they just deliver it to the hands of CVS or the hospitals for hospitalization. This is for drugs. I want to I get to that at some point. We have a massive healthcare betrayal. So a lot of people think it was just one vote. It was just because of John McCain. But that was fake healthcare. That wasn't repeal. As McConnell said, they all support the core regulations and the subsidies and the Medicaid expansion. They hide behind McCain, Collins, Murkowski, maybe one or two others. No, they all support it, with the exception of a few. There's a massive health care betrayal from the ones we have, we've already elected, the candidates. Mitt freaking Romney, still virtue signaling, said it was a dark hour in our nation dividing immigrant families. I hate that guy. What a devil that guy is. That's what we have to look forward to next week. Mitt Romney is not just another bad vote. He's a voice. He's going to be the new McCain times 10. Sabotaging Trump every step of the way, but Trump, of course, endorses him. You know, I, I apologize. I don't live like this, and my wife would really be upset at me using this, but I'm, I'm in such pain now, I'm going to say it anyway. You know, there was a kind of crude term thrown out by certain avid Trump supporters during the primary to describe other Republicans as cuck conservative. And I guess the gist of it was kind of like you get raped or your wife gets raped and not only don't you do anything about it you actually relish it you enjoy it let me tell you something that's what's happening to trump and his supporters now as he promises to be the voice for victims for law enforcement against the soros jailbreak and he's adamantly pushing it with jared and kane west and all the rhinos we were supposed to defeat and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overrule Jeff Sessions if he gets in my way, and I'm going to fire him. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, down with Sessions. Yeah, yeah, Kane West is such a great conservative. But, you know, that, that's the Murkowski thing. 
So if you thought McConnell changed, really, like, the party is, okay, you want to have a big tent, but that big of a tent in a red state? Lindsey Graham, I already mentioned last week. Notice Lindsey Graham mentioned his next priority is criminal justice reform. And that's so damn random. What is going on? What is going on? Then notice that Mitch McConnell said, we're going to have a vote on the Senate jailbreak bill. Now, I will readily admit that as much as I dislike McConnell, the one issue he actually agreed with us on was jailbreak. He actually thinks it's a stupid idea. He's still old school in that respect. But even in things where McConnell agrees with us, you understand he has no principle. All of his associates and lobbyists and you know all the circles he travels in and all his other lieutenants support it. So it was only a matter of time. So I was like, wait a minute. McConnell's held the line on that issue until now. What's going on? And then I see Trump embrace it suddenly today, meets with Kane West, and there's all hell breaking loose. Here's what I've heard. And you could take this to the bank. There was another betrayal that's seemingly disparate, the ethanol betrayal. Trump selling out the blue-collar oil refinery workers in Pennsylvania to promote E15 while we still have the mandate. So, meaning there's one thing you want to say, hey, you could experiment with E15, E85, whatever you want, more higher octane, higher blend of, of ethanol, but make it optional. I'm going to link to my article on this. But no, the mandate is still there, so this is actually going to exacerbate it. And, and, the, oil, and, and the independent refineries, all they're asking for not even a repeal of the RFS, the um, Renewable Fuel Standard, the ethanol mandate, just, just a tiny reduction in the, in the blending levels and the credits that need to be made for them. Because we can't even, I'm going to get to this in a minute, we can't even, there's not even enough market demand to do it. it, it even if you believe in statism, it, it doesn't exist there. This is the anti-free market, but it's anti-MAGA populism too. What a betrayal. Why now? Why E15? Where did that come from? All answers lead back to Chuck Grassley. Some of you might have thought, okay, Chuck Grassley basically got himself raped by Democrats on this committee. He basically handed the committee over them. They cut his heart out. He's finally going to learn his lesson. Don't think he's going to learn the lesson. Don't convince yourself he's going to learn the lesson. Watch to see if he did or not, and you'll see. There is a level of perfidy on perfidy. Betrayal on betrayal that Orwell could not have written. You see, what if I told you Republicans get rewarded with one liberal betrayal as a reward for betraying us on another liberal policy? Jared Kushner is the one who pushed Trump into E15, into the ethanol expansion. Why? Why does Jared care about ethanol? Well, for one, any swampy lobbyist you know, crony capitalist venture socialist whorish issue he'll be into. But number two, because he's maniacally focused on jailbreak because his father spent some time in the joint. By the way, for white-collar stuff, say what it, say about it what you want, but none of the bills they're promoting have anything to do with white-collar statutes. They're all street thugs. But that's besides the point. But anyway... It was a reward to Grassley for him promoting jailbreak. Because Grassley took a trip 
to McConnell's office and said, hey, Mitch, I got Kavanaugh passed. It's about time you stop blocking my bill from coming to the floor. I want to vote on jailbreak. I want you guys to let that seep in a minute. So in exchange for raping us on law and order, they rape us on economics and free markets and energy and food, lifeblood of our economy. But it's a step further than that. What's jailbreak? What's the sentencing reduction bill? This is a bill that is sponsored and originated and concocted by the very members of that committee, Spartacus, Harris, Hirono, Whitehouse, Durbin, Klobuchar, Blumenthal, all these vile human beings who said at the hearing that we need to care about victims. We need to think about what they go through from the perpetrators having to face them. Face them. The anxiety, the PTSD, and Devin Lombardi was talking to me all about this. But they applied it to a fake victim and hung a guy without due process. And now you're going to reward those very guys. And I'm sorry for raising my voice, but you're going to reward those very guys by working with them to pass their crime bill to retroactively release juvenile murderers, MS-13 thugs, criminal aliens, drug traffickers, killing thousands and thousands of people that absolutely had endless due process, duly convicted. You sons of bitches. That is our political system, folks. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. I'll tell you why it doesn't have to be this way. Our buddies at the Free Beacon, um, great website, one of the few that are focusing on jailbreak. Um, they came out or they published a poll. When you actually phrase the question, not do you support um, prison reform? Do you think someone who one time in college was smoking marijuana should be locked up for 300 years? Right? You know, it's the same thing with the immigration polling. They'll poll like, you know, do you think we should go down to Honduras and rape Central Americans and divide their, <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it doesn't, it's just a lie. So when you actually ask just straight up, should we, um, are we too tough on drug trafficking or not? Right? Very, very simple. Are we too tough or weak? Our sentence is too long. Should we let them out early? Do you support early release bills? 74% oppose a proposal to reduce penalties for drug trafficking. Only 18% support it. You find me another issue where you'll get such good readings. Imagine if not only did Republicans not give them a loincloth and run the ball in the end zone for the left on this issue, but actually fought them on it. Imagine, imagine what the polling would look like. Imagine what suburban districts would look like. Because opposition is strongest among middle class and families with kids between the ages of 13 and 17. Only 14% support it. Only 7% of women over the age of 45 think that sentences are too high. That's the demographic we're getting crushed in. That's the demographic we need to win. 
90% of Republicans say they care whether their representative supports a proposal to reduce penalties for drug trafficking. 82% say supporting a reduction in penalties makes the respondents think less highly of their representative. We could win on this issue alone. You tied into what's going on at the border, the catch and release, the asylum fraud, the rapes, the crimes, the sex trafficking, the drug trafficking. And the irony is it all fits together. Why do you think there's so many drug traffickers in federal prison? Most of them are directly either or secondary foreign nationals. It's not an inherent problem. It's an external problem. None of this will you hear anywhere else. None of this will you hear anywhere else. It doesn't have to be this way. We could rise up, flood the president with messages, and saying, I voted for you to be, where's the tough on crime? First fulfill the tough on crime laws, then get lenient. Fulfill your campaign promise. We didn't vote for Kane West and Kim Kardashian's rear end. Ugly fat one at that. We didn't vote for Jared and Ivanka. We didn't vote for the very thumb-sucking, phony, libertarian, swampy elements that have taken over this issue. Doesn't have to be this way. Call Chuck Grassley if you're from Iowa. Call John Cornyn. Call Mitch McConnell. Much more impactful than voting if we get enough people doing it. Donate to only conservative Republicans running, not the phony heroes. I don't know what to say on this. The sum total of everything we've talked about the last couple weeks and today boils down to one thing. The dope, the political heroin that most people in this business are hooked on makes it that just like someone who's on heroin has no direction, has no, they're disoriented. They don't know what the hell it is that they want. If you had a hundred Republican senators, let's say, engage me in this thought exercise. Let's say Democrats just dissipated. The media died. Tomorrow. What is it we want, right? We have a hundred years of damage and cascading effects on our markets, on our society, on our traditions, on our security, our priorities, our system of government. There's a lot of work to do to rectify 100 years of a bloodless coup. Certainly what's happened in the last generation. What's the innovation? What is it that we want to do? Well, agree with me or disagree, you know I have a lot of ideas. But my question to everyone else is, what is it you want? Because if you actually wanted what you claim you want and what we're proposing here, you would realize we're not getting it. We're getting the opposite from our own people. But what happens is that our, the primary problem is we don't have an agenda. Our agenda is focusing on the left. You know, we started off one of our, editor, our morning editorial call a couple days ago, and um, – one of my colleagues commented, you know, the media is kind of disoriented after Kavanaugh. They're, they're searching for a narrative, and it's still unclear. And I said to him, I hijacked the call at that point. I said to him, I said, look, freeze frame. You just touched on something very important. You're right. 
the media searching for a narrative. And we have no other narrative other than first waiting for what the media says and then responding to it. So what happens is we have this fake fight with the media because we have liberals on our side that they attack for their purposes and we have to champion them while they're malignant on our own cause rather than us saying we're going to promote this and make the media respond to us. It's all about that. Let me give you a perfect example. Kane West. Kane West is saying, I love Trump. Dude, this is quell, mega. This is quell. And the left is attacking, oh, he's a black, you know, black this and, you know, this racial comments they have, like Uncle Tom, whatever, you know, what they usually do is a black. Now, here, now here's the dichotomy between whether you're focused on a true north, a true conservatism, or you focused on just responding to the left as an end to itself, thereby making yourself to the left. Well, if Kane West is a conservative and is becoming conservative even on a few issues and is helping us promote them, I'm all for that, and I'm all for championing him, and I'm all for defending him. But there's not a single issue that he's moved over. He loves power. He said, I love Hillary, and I love Trump. Yeah, he loves power. So if you offer him the access, the open door, he'll come to a Republican, come to a Democrat. Maybe some others are so committed they'll snub the open door, but he won't. But not only is he not helping, like if he were going around promoting, you know, fighting sanctuary cities, I'd give him respect. I'd respect him. He's not. He hasn't changed on a single issue. He's getting Trump to support jailbreak. Devin Lombardi called me because she said there's nobody she could turn to, nobody to speak to. Yet the criminals have the C-level actors in Hollywood and their rear ends, endless money, endless lawyers. Who is going to speak for victims of crime? Who's going to speak for pain patients? Who's going to speak for those whose kids were killed by the drugs from illegal aliens, those killed by illegal alien drunk drivers, illegal alien rapists? Who's going to speak for public safety? Who's going to speak for law enforcement? I promise you I'll be that person if you'll help me. I'll be that person. There's others. There's others who do agree with us. They don't have big bloviating megaphones. A lot of them work more in policy. But my goal is to start an organization that will help with that. I need help. I need you to support our advertisers. That, that's the only way. You know, we have to show them that we will respond. We will reward good behavior. Bamboo HR is the best the best bar none HR software to manage your employee paperwork, interactions, hiring, government red tape. I'm, I'm looking right now. I'm pulling up. I got um, a free trial from them. You know, right now I'm a hired hand. But one day I do hope to use this great interface. It is um, really once you get the hang of it, which is very easy to get the hang of, you don't have to wear 50 million hats. You could do what you love and focus on people and making your business better rather than paperwork and process. Bamboo HR manages all your employee data, automates the countless tasks you have to deal with, um, everything compliance with 
all sorts of regulations, e-signatures, onboarding paperwork, personnel reports. You got to check it out. Right now, you go to bamboohr.com. Now, they always have a seven-day trial, but they're giving our listeners an extended 14-day free trial. I always push for that. So you could try it out without any cost. So you go to, but in order to get that special effort, uh, the special offer, you've got to go to bamboohr.com slash Daniel. Bamboohr.com slash Daniel. For this exclusive extended free trial, go to bamboohr.com slash Daniel. Again, this is a limited offer, only available to our intrepid listeners. So go to bamboohr.com slash Daniel. One, one more time. Bamboohr.com forward slash Daniel for the best HR software so you could be independent and have your own business and that peace of mind and support listeners of the truth, purveyors of the truth. And that's the thing. I have a lot more to say. And I'm just so exhausted from everything. But you got to donate to Chris McDaniel. You got to go donate to Chip Roy. I'm going to try to come up with a written list. We got to start going through um, Google 2020 Senate election map. <clears throat> You'll see there's like 10 rhinos from red states. Just pick red states where we could win. That, that will be up. Just, just go through that. And um, you, you'll, you'll see the opportunity. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. So anyway, I'm losing my voice here big time. But the theme of the day is focus on the fine print. I'm not going to sit and look at the bold letters when the fine print voids out 99% to 100% of the, 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 the message from you know, the political class. And again, you see this with Kevin McCarthy. Like I said before, all the MAGA people tell me everything that goes on is not Trump's fault. It's Congress's fault. So let's get new leadership. Work with me. Jim Jordan finally throwing his hat in the ring, challenging Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy knows he's going to lose the house and he's going to get blamed. So now he's like, let me introduce a bill that, that has... um that has border wall funding. Like, you idiot. You just gave the Senate on six budget bills, which is where it matters in the budget, everything they wanted, and no border funding. You blocked from the floor issues that passed the Judiciary Committee to address asylum fraud, UAC fraud, sanctuary cities, Davis-Oliver bills. And I, I write this all in my pieces. I'll link to in show notes. But, you know, and look, I, I fully expect that if you don't follow this, and that's why you turn to me, you know, you'll be like, hey, is, is, he, is he good? Like, Daniel, what does this mean? But if you work in this business full time, shouldn't you know better? Shouldn't you read the fine print? You often need a lawyer to read the fine print. But if you are a lawyer, shouldn't you read it? If you are working in this business, you should know it. It's very easy to say, oh, don't worry. We don't have to do anything more to the courts because we're appointing a bunch of good judges. I understand why your average person would think that. 
But if you're in this business, you'd say, well, okay, which seat? Who retired? Which circuit? You know, you'd ask basic questions. Gosh, there's so much more to say on all of this. I'm just going to link to the, the ethanol article. I'm going to link to the, the McCarthy article. A couple more things just wanted to say real quick. Strategies. Jeff Sessions is going to be fired anyway at some point. Here's what I believe. I believe Jeff Sessions should resign preemptively at some point after the election and reclaim his Senate seat, which is up in 2020. Doug Jones, you know, obviously is vulnerable as anything. And I think Sessions could keep, I mean, easily win that seat. We need him back in the Senate. That's where he's good. Everyone agrees to that. Even if you don't like some of the management at the, at the Justice Department, that's where he's good. We need that voice in the Senate. We need him to fight the courts. We need him to fight on immigration, fight on crime. And that's where we need him. So that's something we need to work towards. Another thing we need to work towards is this. Guess who the next Judiciary Committee chairman will be? Grassley is termed out at the end of the year. It's going to be Lindsey Graham. And now Lindsey Graham is a hero. Even though everything else that comes before us, he's going to screw us on. John Kyle is the stand-in for John McCain. There's a rule in the Senate that you maintain your seniority that you accrued in your years in the Senate if you leave the Senate and then come back. If John Kyle could be convinced to stay, he would actually have seniority and he could bump Lindsey Graham. That's something that needs to happen. Is Kyle a dream guy a la Andy Biggs or Paul Goser? No. But you ain't getting better than that. We're, we're only going to get a lot worse than he's strong on crime. He's strong on immigration. He actually has gravitas, unlike these new losers. Um, you know, he's good. And then, frankly, if we would get Sessions back in two years, Sessions would easily get the seniority and bump Lindsey. But let's toss Sessions overboard for Lindsey because we're owning the libs, you see. This is what happens when we don't have our own affirmative vision, our own affirmative view. What is it we believe in, not relative to the other side or oh, we have a rhino that's stabbing us in the back or a phony, like, Kane West, who's not even a rhino. He's the same liberal he always was. Oh, but the left's attacking him, so let's defend him while he screws us. There's a name for that that some Trump supporters concocted a while back, and uh, I won't repeat it again. We barely scraped the surface. I wanted to get to a lot more. <laughs> um. I don't even know where to go, where to go here, but we're getting screwed on healthcare. And at some point, I want to talk about that and the merger. But for now, I just want to say this. There are other people who agree with me. Um, broadly speaking, in this industry, there's comms and there's policy. Comms is communication. So you know, that's where you don't have to know much about policy. You just have to know how to articulate certain things, whether you're a press secretary for a member of Congress, an organization. But mainly what I mean is 
you're a talk radio show host. You're a talking head on cable. You're a writer. Those figures. Among those figures, I can count on one hand how many are worthwhile. The rest are not only a distraction, but actually doping up our own people to get them distracted and get them supporting the wrong people, wrong ideas, wrong strategies that actually helps the very left that they seek to fight. Let's go arm Antifa with a new army of people that were released from prison, radicalized by the curriculum there. And uh, yeah, that's conservatism for you. But when it comes to policy, there's a lot of good people that you never heard of that get it. They get the politics. They get the fine print. They get the fine print. They understand that if you look at a 10, 15-year window, we're losing on almost every issue, but they understand it doesn't have to be that way. They understand there's a lot of things we need to do. They understand the leverage, how to articulate it. That's my goal. We need a new Heritage Foundation. We need a new organization for all these people that are doing good work in the administration but are overruled, Senate offices, working at some of these thankless organizations that they just need to earn a living, but they're really with us. I know a lot of people like that. We need to organize them. And again, I'm still into my idea of citizens' task forces, part-time, people that don't work in politics, but maybe the field that they work in is their expertise in healthcare, law enforcement, drugs, whatever it is, to put out reports, stories, messaging, so that those of us doing it more full-time could work seamlessly and have be a force multiplier without needing the budget to do so. These are ideas I'm, I'm toying with, thinking about. I want to get people together. I, I just promise you, I will always speak the truth the way I see it, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to seek to inform you, but I'm always going to seek solutions, as hard as they might be, obviously with divine support. Thank you for listening. God bless you all. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. 